Chapter Twenty Six of *The Man in the Iron Mask* by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Political rivals. D'Artagnan had promised Monsieur de Baisemeaux to return in time for dessert, and he kept his word. They had just reached the finer and more delicate class of wines and liquors with which the governor's cellar had the reputation of being most admirably stocked when the silver spurs of the captain resounded in the corridor and he himself appeared at the threshold athos and aramis had played a close game neither of the two had been able to gain the slightest advantage over the other they had supped talked a good deal about the bastille of the last journey to fontainebleau of the intended fete that monsieur fouquet was about to give at vaux they had generalized on every possible subject and no one excepting baisemeaux had in the slightest degree alluded to private matters d'artagnan arrived in the very midst of the conversation still pale and much disturbed by his interview with the king baisemeaux hastened to give him a chair d'artagnan accepted a glass of wine and set it down empty athos and aramis both remarked his emotion as for baisemeaux he saw nothing more than the captain of the king's musketeers to whom he endeavored to show every possible attention but although aramis had remarked his emotion he had not been able to guess the cause of it athos alone believed he had detected it for him d'artagnan's return and particularly the manner in which he usually so impassable seemed overcome signified i have just asked the king something which the king has refused me thoroughly convinced that his conjecture was correct athos smiled rose from the table and made a sign to d'artagnan as if to remind him that they had something else to do than to sup together d'artagnan immediately understood him and replied by another sign aramis and baisemeaux watched this silent dialogue and looked inquiringly at each other athos felt that he was called upon to give an explanation of what was passing the truth is my friend said the comte de la fere with a smile that you aramis have been supping with a state criminal and you monsieur de baisemeaux with your prisoner baisemeaux uttered an exclamation of surprise and of almost of delight for he was exceedingly proud and vain of his fortress and for his own individual profit the more prisoners he had the happier he was and the higher in rank the prisoners happened to be the prouder he felt aramis assumed the expression of countenance he thought the position justified and said well dear athos forgive me but i almost suspected what has happened some prank of raoul and la valliere i suppose alas said baisemeaux and continued aramis you a high and powerful nobleman as you are forgetful that courtiers now exist you have been to the king i suppose and told him what you thought of his conduct yes you have guessed right so that said baisemeaux trembling at having supped so familiarly with a man who had fallen into disgrace with the king so that monsieur le comte so that my dear governor said athos my friend d'artagnan will communicate to you the contents of the paper which i perceived just peeping out of his belt and which assuredly can be nothing else than the order for my incarceration baisemeaux held out his hand with his accustomed eagerness d'artagnan drew two papers from his belt then presented one of them to the king who unfolded it and then read in a low tone of voice 
looking at Athos over the paper as he did so, and pausing from time to time. "'Order to detain in my chateau of the Bastille. Monsieur le Comte de la Faire, oh, monsieur, this is indeed a very melancholy day for me.' "'You will have a patient prisoner, monsieur.' said Athos in his calm, soft voice. "'A prisoner, too, who will not remain a month with described it upon the prison registry. "'Not a day, or rather not even a night,' said D'Artagnan, displaying the second order of the king. "'For now, dear Monsieur de Baisemeaux, you will have the goodness to transcribe also this order for setting the comte immediately at liberty ah said aramis it is a labor that you have deprived me of d'artagnan and he pressed the musketeer's hand in a significant manner at the same moment as that of athos what said the latter in astonishment the king sets me at liberty read my dear friend returned d'artagnan Athos took the order and read it. "'It is quite true,' he said. "'Are you sorry for it?' asked D'Artagnan. "'Oh, no. On the contrary, I wish the king no harm, and the greatest evil or misfortune that any one can wish on kings is that they should commit an act of injustice. But you have had a difficult and painful task, I know. Tell me, have you not, D'Artagnan?' i not at all said the musketeer laughing the king does everything i wish him to do aramis looked fixedly at d'artagnan and saw that he was not speaking the truth but baisemeaux had eyes for nothing but d'artagnan so great was his admiration for a man who seemed to make the king do all he wished and does the king exile athos inquired aramis no not precisely the king did not explain himself upon that subject replied d'artagnan but i think the comte could not well do better unless indeed he wishes particularly to thank the king no indeed replied athos smiling well then i think resumed d'artagnan that the comte cannot do better than to retire to his own chateau however my dear athos you have only to speak to tell me what you want if any particular place of residence is more agreeable to you than another i am influential enough perhaps to obtain it for you no thank you said athos nothing can be more agreeable to me my dear friend than to return to my solitude beneath my noble trees on the banks of the loire if heaven be the overruling physician of the evils of the mind nature is a sovereign remedy and so monsieur continued athos turning again toward baisemeaux i am now free i suppose yes monsieur le comte i think so at least i hope so said the governor turning over and over the two papers in question unless however monsieur d'artagnan has a third order to give me no my dear baisemeaux no said the musketeer the second is quite enough we will stop there if you please ah monsieur le comte said baisemeaux addressing athos you do not know what you are losing 
i should have placed you among the thirty franc prisoners like the generals what am i saying i mean among the fifty franc like the princes and you would have supped every evening as you have done to-night allow me monsieur said athos to prefer my own simpler fare and then turning to d'artagnan he said let us go my dear friend shall i have the greatest of all pleasures for me that of having you as my companion to the city gate only replied d'artagnan after which i will tell you what i told the king i am on duty and you my dear aramis said athos smiling will you accompany me l'affaire is on the road to van thank you my dear friend said aramis but i have an appointment in paris this evening and i cannot leave without very serious interest suffering by my absence in that case said athos i must say adieu and take my leave of you my dear monsieur de baisemeaux i have to thank you exceedingly for your kind and friendly disposition toward me and particularly for the enjoyable specimen you have given me of the ordinary fare of the bastille and having embraced aramis and shaking hands with monsieur de baisemeaux and having received the best wishes for a pleasant journey from them both athos set off with d'artagnan whilst the denouement of the scene of the palais royal was taking place at the bastille let us relate what was going on at the lodgings of athos and bragelonne grimaud as we have seen had accompanied his master to paris and as we have said he was present when athos went out he had observed d'artagnan gnaw the corners of his moustache he had seen his master get into the carriage he had narrowly examined both their countenances and he had known them both for a sufficiently long period to read and understand through the mask of their impassibility that something serious was the matter as soon as athos had gone he began to reflect he then and then only remembered the strange manner in which athos had taken leave of him the embarrassment imperceptible as it would have been to any but himself of the master whose ideas were to him so clear and defined and the expression of whose wishes was so precise he knew that athos had taken nothing with him but the clothes he had on him at the time and yet he seemed to fancy that athos had not left for an hour merely or even for a day a long absence was signified by the manner in which he pronounced the word adieu all these circumstances recurred to his mind with feelings of deep affection for athos with that horror of isolation and solitude which invariably besets the minds of those who love and all these combined rendered poor grimaud very melancholy and particularly uneasy without being able to account to himself for what he did since his master's departure he wandered about the room seeking as it were for some traces of him like a faithful dog who is not exactly uneasy about his absent master but at least is restless only as in addition to the instinct of the animal grimaud subjoined the reasoning faculties of the man grimaud therefore felt uneasy and restless too not having found any indication which could serve as a guide and having neither seen nor discovered anything which could satisfy his doubts grimaud began to wonder what could possibly have happened besides imagination is the resource or rather the plague of gentle and affectionate hearts in fact 
never does a feeling heart represent its absent friend to itself as being happy or cheerful never does the dove that wings its flight in search of adventures inspire anything but terror at home grimaud soon passed from uneasiness to terror he carefully went over in his own mind everything that had taken place d'artagnan's letter to athos the letter which had seemed to distress athos so much after he had read it then raoul's visit to athos which resulted in athos desiring him grimaud to get his various orders and his court dress ready to put on then his interview with the king at the end of which athos had returned home so unusually gloomy then the explanation between the father and the son at the termination of which athos had embraced raoul with such sadness of expression while raoul himself went away equally weary and melancholy and finally d'artagnan's arrival biting as if he were vexed to the end of his moustache and leaving again in the carriage accompanied by the comte de la fere all this composed a drama in five acts very clearly particularly for so analytical an observer as grimaud the first step he took was to search in his master's coat for monsieur d'artagnan's letter he found the letter still there and its contents were found to run as follows my dear friend raoul has been to ask me for some particulars about the conduct of mademoiselle de la valliere during our young friend's residence in london i am a poor captain of musketeers and i am sickened to death every day by hearing all the scandal of the barracks and bedside conversations if i had told raoul all i believe i know the poor fellow would have died of it but i am in the king's service and cannot relate all i hear about the king's affairs if your heart tells you to do it set off at once the matter concerns you more than it does myself and almost as much as raoul grimaud tore not a handful but a finger and thumbful of hair out of his head he would have done more if his head of hair had been in a more flourishing condition yes he said that is the key of the whole enigma the young girl has been playing her pranks what people say about her in the king is true then her young master has been deceived he ought to know it monsieur le comte has been to see the king and told him a piece of his mind and then the king sent monsieur d'artagnan to arrange the affair ah gracious goodness continued grimaud monsieur le comte i now remember returned without his sword this discovery made the perspiration break out all over poor grimaud's face he did not waste any more time in useless conjecture but clapped his hat on his head and ran to raoul's lodgings raoul after louise had left him had mastered his grief if not his affection and compelled to look forward on that perilous road over which madness and revulsion were hurrying him he had seen from the very first glance his father exposed to the royal obstinacy since athos had himself been the first to oppose any resistance to the royal will at this moment from a very natural sequence of feeling the unhappy young man remembered the mysterious signs which athos had made and the unexpected visit of d'artagnan the result of the conflict between a sovereign and a subject revealed itself to his terrified vision as d'artagnan was on duty that is a fixture at his post without the possibility of leaving it it was certainly not likely that he had come to pay athos a visit merely for the pleasure of seeing him he must have come to say something to him this something in the midst of such painful conjectures must have been the news of either a misfortune or a danger 
Raoul trembled at having been so selfish as to have forgotten his father for his affection, at having, in a word, passed his time in idle dreams, or in an indulgence of despair, at a time when a necessity existed for repelling such an imminent attack on Athos. The very idea nearly drove him frantic. He buckled on his sword and ran toward his father's lodgings. On his way there he encountered Grimaud, who, having set off from the opposite pole, was running with equal eagerness in search of the truth. The two men embraced each other most warmly. "'Grimaud!' exclaimed Raoul. "'Is the Comte well?' "'Have you seen him?' "'No. Where is he?' "'I am trying to find out.' "'And Monsieur d'Artagnan?' "'Went out with him.' "'When?' Ten minutes after you did.' "'In what way did they go out?' "'In a carriage.' "'Where did they go?' "'I have no idea at all.' "'Did my father take any money with him?' "'No.' "'Or his sword?' "'No.' "'I have an idea, Grimaud, that Monsieur d'Artagnan came in order to—' "'Arrest, Monsieur le Comte. Do you not think, Monsieur?' "'Yes, Grimaud.' I could have sworn it. What road did they take? The way leading toward the quay. To the Bastille, then? Yes, yes. Quick, quick, let us run. Yes, let us not lose a moment. But where are we to go? said Raoul, overwhelmed. We will go to Monsieur d'Artagnan's first. We may perhaps learn something there. No. If they keep me in ignorance at my father's, they will do the same everywhere. Let us go to— Oh, good heavens! Why, I must be mad today, Grimaud. I have forgotten Monsieur de Vallon, who is waiting for and expecting me still. Where is he, then? At the minima of Vincennes. Thank goodness. That is on the same side as the Bastille. I will run and saddle the horses, and we will go at once, said Grimaud. Do, my friend, do— End of chapter 26. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.